0: This episode of the Women's Agenda podcast is brought to you by Breast Cancer Trials. Join them in their next free and online Q&A event on Wednesday, the 27th of July. Moderated by author and journalist Annabel Crabb, this special event will look at breast cancer in young women from research and clinical trials to improving treatments and prevention strategies. To find out more, visit breastcancertrials.org.au or register now at the link in our
1: description box. Hello and welcome to the Women's Agenda podcast, my name is Angela Priestley and I'm the publisher on Women's Agenda and I'm here today with special guest co-host Mariam Muhammad. Hello Mariam, how are you?
0: Hello, hello Angela, it is I, Mariam Muhammad. Thank you for having me here
1: today. Thank you for joining us. And we have your stay-at-home cat in the background, who we might get to a little bit later on. But on the agenda today, we will be discussing the motherhood penalty, the gender pay gap, lots of things and bits and pieces around money as well. So plenty of great stuff. Not so great stuff. Don't necessarily want to be talking about gender pay gaps, but here we are with plenty of things to talk about today. Thank you for listening. So hello, hello again, as you introduced yourself. How are you? I'm
0: good, Angela. I'm having a scatterbrained day today.
1: Me too. So (laughs) listen.
0: I'm just going to be here making little boo-boos, correcting myself, but
1: that is life. That is life and I am owning it. That's good because, I mean, in my first quick take of attempting an introduction in the past two minutes, I did call you a co-ghost. That's about where my brain is at at the moment as well. So <laughs> we are going to do good work today. <laughs> I love it. Let's
0: do it. Let's bring two scatterbrained people together and we will create magic.
1: We will. Yeah. I feel like we really did get the timing right in having you involved in this particular episode in this particular week, because there just so happens to be a lot to talk about when it comes to money. And you are the co-founder of the social enterprise Money Girl, which does support women on financial literacy. And that is one of your many things and one of the many hats that you wear. So great to have your expertise involved this week. Before we start talking about some of these issues around money that we definitely need to talk about, let's start with the win. What is your win this week?
0: Whee! Okay. The win that I want to bring to the table today is that Victoria has accepted the recommendation to restrict NDAs or non-disclosure agreements to encourage victim survivors of sexual harassment and assault in workplaces to come forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, a great win. We just covered on this one last night. And this is a huge deal because there are so many women out there who have been restricted by these NDAs, who have been sexually harassed in organisations, have effectively been silenced and kind of been either, you know, pushed to leave or just sort of encouraged to leave or whatever it is, who've just not been able to share their story and what went on and in many cases have seen their harassers going on to be promoted and kind of get away with a bit of a slap on the wrist. I'm really encouraged by this and I hope that we we can see it nationally as well.
0: Yes, it would be really good to see how this plays out in action and then how the other states respond to it because we know this is true for New South Wales as well. We read those news pieces all the time where somebody comes forward years later because at the time, they were restricted by an NDA. So I'm very, I'm very excited about this. This is a step in the right direction. It doesn't solve anything, but it is a step
1: in the right direction. Mm, mm, exactly. So my win this week, it's about an Australian entrepreneurial success story, which is modibodi. Yeah. They make really good period undies. They work, I can tell you. I'm actually wearing them right now. They really do work. I was a bit skeptical at first. They work. That testimonial. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: Here for
1: it. Love it. Love it. You know, the first time you're always a little bit concerned, but I can say they do. It's great technology. They work. Leaving that aside. So they they do make period-proof undies, uh, leak-proof undies, and then they've gone into other forms of apparel as well, like swimwear. So, you know, great to be able to put on a swimsuit and not have to worry about your period so great for especially young girls I remember when I was younger I was always concerned about that yeah so body body was founded by Kirsty Chong nine years ago and she came up with the idea shortly after giving birth to her second child I think it was and she was out training for a marathon and she was having what she described as unmentionable leaks and she asked herself the question like why why aren't major you know undies brands uh actually trying to solve this and why hasn't anything been created to actually make this easier for women? And, well, she thought, well, I might give it a go and so she did. She invested $20,000 in looking at the innovation and getting the technology right and then later uh, I think it was pursuing kind of a a short run, about 500 or so uh, prototype versions of the garment and then went to market, made around $50,000 in the first year made around $50 million last year and just sold the business for $140 million. I love that story.
0: Yes, (laughs) yes, for women entrepreneurs. Woo, go,
1: Kristen. (laughs) We're out here so happy. I know, and it just took a woman on a run to come up with that idea and ask the question, like, come on, like all these existing brands out there, why are you not looking to try and solve this issue? Why are you not innovating around this? How do we get to this far? into whatever state of the world we're in right now and then never actually try to solve this problem. So thank you for for coming up with it. And I can tell you there's a lot of different imitations out there. There's a lot of different brands jumping on this. And clearly this one particular uh, Scandinavian company, I believe it is, has uh, wanted this technology and wants to really go big on on trying to get more of what Body do and out to the world. So it's great. I love it.
0: Look, I just want to take a moment to honour the founder Like that is a big achievement for a woman founder to take an idea all the way through to exit, to get investors Mm -hmm. to say, yes, we will invest and not like, oh, but this only caters to a small part of the population. Because let (laughs) me tell you, investors do say that when you create products that are just for women, as if we're not half of the world. I don't know why. Mm. I really don't know why they they say that, but it's been said to so many founders who are addressing problems for women, Mm. especially women founders. So this is such a good success story for somebody who experienced the problem and then found the solution for themselves
1: and for half of the world. Like, damn, sis, go you. Yeah, exactly. And that reminder to just listen to the ideas Of women especially in anything around um, the women's health space and I'm going to say that women's health very very broad here but it's it's just been ignored for so long and I feel like we uh, you know we're seeing a really big push now to look at more hygiene products more femtech products and things like that just so much that has been overlooked and it's particularly been overlooked by investors and part of that issue is that the majority of investors are male and I think that Kirsty Chung herself has has noted this in terms of investors how they just didn't necessarily get the idea or how it could work or why people would be interested in this. And I think that says it all, really. Um, there was actually a story where she appeared on Shark Tank and they cut her episode. So she appeared in Shark Tank quite early in the piece. She did her pitch and was expecting oh. it to come out and they cut the episode or they cut her segment about a week or so before it was due to air. So Because it just wasn't relevant enough. Yeah, well, it was maybe not relevant enough, but it was also potentially that people didn't want to talk about periods or something. I I don't know. I don't know the details there, but I'm guessing it could be something like that. We've also seen Facebook had banned their ads um, at one point because they were depicting red whatever it was on sheets and stuff to show what happens when you have leaks instead of, you know, traditionally in ads for pads and tampons, they use like the blue Blue liquid liquid, as if like we couldn't say what it actually looks like. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't, I don't
0: understand actually like why the red and like why that makes such a difference. Like, why can't
1: it be red? I don't actually get it. Yes. Confronting, confronting. Yes. Um, This is what happens. This is reality. That is the most confronting
0: thing that happens to me as I make my way through this world as a woman. Blood.
1: Yes. Sure. (laughs) Okay, so let's get to some of the stories this week. But before I get there, I want to just share a bit more from your bio. And Maryam, I should also say that you are, we've got an episode with you on the leadership lessons that you did with Shirley Chowdery uh, about a year ago, I think it was, and it shares so much of your story and it was so inspiring and I just loved that episode so much so please go and listen to that episode if you want to hear more from the story it is incredible so Pakistani Australian woman you're a speaker facilitator entrepreneur and coach co-founder of Money Girl that social enterprise that is delivering financial literacy to young women Um, you speak at plenty of events and organizations on intersectionality around diversity inclusion in organizational strategy strength-based community building and stakeholder engagement Couple of your accolades: recognized by the Financial Review as one of Australia's 100 women of influence, and in New South Wales as a 2020 New South Wales Young Woman of the Year finalist. I need to ask: we are about to talk some more money. What got you interested in financial literacy?
0: It was my own need. That's mm-hmm. the that's the short answer. So I had, as I've talked through my story in the leadership lessons, I came here to rebuild life after violence, really. Mm -hmm. So financial independence was a core part of my journey to heal and create a safe space for myself. I was 19 at that time, but even a few years later, by the time I was leaving university, I was still conscious of how I was always on walking a very thin line between being safe right now, but if something happens, going back to a life of possibly violence, I was conscious of that for myself. And I started thinking about what does long-term financial security and independence look like for me? Because it was tied in to my physical safety in this world. Mm-hmm. But I also noticed whilst I was working in the refugee sector and at university with women who are survivors of violence, that this is a story that is far too common. One in three women in Australia will experience violence at some point in their lives. And the choice that those women face is often between poverty and violence, So it was my own experience with that choice and watching so many women around me go through that as well that made me question, what is it that I can do for myself to help myself and my peers that removes that barrier, the barrier of money, monetary control over one's life. Now, one of the root causes that goes into that problem is financial illiteracy often we have ended up in those situations never having learned about money how to manage it but also how to enjoy our relationship with money you know so we end up giving away control or it is taken from us because it's easy that to happen and then we get stuck in those situations unable to leave and those of us who do leave situations of violence will often end up going back at least once because that
1: choice is is just it's a real tough one. Mm. Did you see the research from Ann Summers last week regarding this very issue? It is so powerful and noting that choice between violence and poverty and it is impacting they've calculated as impacting half a million women women in australia i feel like it just pulls everything into context anything that we discuss when it comes to um even around you know careers and ambition and but then also anything around the the gender pay gap and leadership gaps and superannuation gaps all these figures like they all make interesting reports and little news bits and pieces here and there we see that but then This is where it really, really matters that when people feel that their choice is between poverty and violence, we have a huge problem there.
0: And nobody wants to make that choice, Ange. Like nobody Mm. likes making that choice. Neither of those are good options. So there's no right choice in there. But thank you for naming Ann Summers because yes, that research will be so crucial in informing further solutions. So... That's what led me to financial literacy. It wasn't that I had a longstanding interest in being an entrepreneur. Heck no. I actually really, really did not want to be a business owner because my father is a small business owner. Him and his brothers run a family business together. And I looked at their life and I said, no, sir. I did not want to do that.
1: (laughs) And would I be correct in saying that now you see that there's actually the potential in a portfolio career or a portfolio way of being, I guess, that you can have many different interests, that you can find a way to have a living while still having a life and doing different things? Yes, absolutely.
0: And I think that world possibly pre-GFC of 08 was a different world than what it is now. At that time, people picked one career and one job and stayed in it for decades. Now it's a very different world that we exist in. And I strongly advocate actually for people to be multifaceted, have, like you said, that portfolio, because rarely is a person only interested in doing the one thing in their life. And sometimes that scares people because... They think, oh, if I am an engineer, then I have to stay in this field. This is what people identify me as, right? But you are a human with infinite potential. And it is okay for you to be more than one thing,
1: mm. Mm, yeah, exactly. So a, a couple of quick things is that I wanted to highlight the figures that we've sort of been alluding to that came out today. So the first is around the gender pay gap that there's this new report out today that looks at um, HILDA stats that includes the workplace gender equality agency stats that comes from KPMG, which has basically calculated the gender pay gap at being a billion dollars a week. It's $51.8 billion a year. So those numbers are just mind boggling. Plus, there's a second report out today that we've also covered that looks at the motherhood penalty and that finds that women will end up in the first five years of their first child, they will earn 55% less than they were earning prior to having a child. For fathers, uh, it's pretty much the opposite. They actually get like a little baby bonus as they have a baby. So it kind of slightly ticks up and then they kind of go back to where they were. So it just shows these massive gender differences that ultimately then contribute to some of these uh, this this bigger picture that we are speaking to regarding that choice between poverty and violence but also around superannuation regarding the fact that women aged 55 and over are the fastest growing cohort of homelessness in Australia and it comes back to I guess um, it's not all about financial literacy um, definitely not at all I guess this is one element of it and I don't think you'd ever for a second say that it's an issue that women need to just sort of fix themselves it's just like a little piece I guess that you can put in your defense because unfortunately there's all these things and there are these barriers and there are these issues that we are coming up against that aren't going to be solved anytime quickly as much as the good ideas are all there and the capability is there to make the changes needed. It won't happen as fast as we'd like. But I did actually have just another quick question on the portfolio career. I, I, I don't know how this comes into Money Girl, but do you look at how there are benefits in terms of protecting yourself with this portfolio and that first of all, you can look after various facets of yourself as a human, including perhaps health and other pieces like that and well-being and enjoying your life. There's also the fact that you might have somewhat more security in case something goes wrong with that one thing that you choose or that one job that you have. But then I might say there could be less security as well in some ways, because that could kind of suggest more gig type roles that might not be as secure as a permanent job. Like, how do you tally all that up? 100%.
0: It definitely does translate... To, because at the moment, our systems are tied into still people being in employment. So most financial systems are set up to have people in formal employment so that they can be paid, for example, super through their employer, right? That mm-hmm. is not the same for gig workers, casual workers, or yes, people who are business owners, all of that kind of stuff. So it definitely does require a higher level of awareness of your finances to make that fluctuation work for your financial safety or just for your safety in general. It is possible. It's just not as hands-off as being in employment because a lot of that then is taken care of in the background and we have systems in place. again. We live in a world that is no longer the industrial age, but was set up for the industrial age. So if you are in formal employment, then it is the easiest for you. Yes. I mean, that is the answer, but it is possible to build Of money system that works for you, even if you are doing multiple, let's say, part time jobs or one part time job and a business or multiple gigs. And there are apps and tools Mm -hmm. out
1: there that will help you make it happen. Mm -hmm. And the usual cohort of students that you have or people participating in your programs, where are they at in terms of investing? I guess when we've done a couple of surveys for our own audience, we have found that women are telling us, not all women, but there is a cohort of women who are saying, well, I can't even thinking about investing because I'm living week to week. I need to pay this mortgage or this rent or whatever it is. I need to feed the kids. It's not really a question of being able to think about investing in shares or even purchasing property. So how do you have that conversation, particularly to, to younger women as well?
0: Yes. So we do cover investing in the Money Girl course, and a lot of those people are either at the start of their journey, so haven't invested ever, but are interested in it, or they have started, but have limited understanding and want to learn more. I would say in our experience, a big cohort of the women who come through the course are very interested in investing, which honestly was a surprise to me because I was always told women are not interested in finances or investing or whatever, you know, like to me, it was a big surprise. Like when we asked people if they were interested, how many said yes, like as a percentage of how many said no versus yes, like, it was huge. So I was like, oh, okay. So
1: just another lie I've been told. Mm-hmm. All right. It's like that lie that people say that women aren't good at investing. It's like, hang on a second. <laughs> yeah, Let's hang on pull a second. out some research on that.
0: Yes, yeah, <laughs> Actually, women are really, really good investors. So for young people who are starting out, those are some myths that scare us. Okay. They sit pretty deep within our belief systems. So speaking with somebody or being a part of a community where people are doing it together helps to understand that actually some of these things that you will have inevitably internalized, they're not true. You are made to do whatever it is you want to do. If that is investment in property, in shares, whatever it is, if, if it is something that you want to do, you can do it. You are very capable of doing it And there are statistics out there that can prove to you that you are capable of doing it, but also to have the compassion and kindness for yourself, to accept and love yourself for wherever you are in your journey and start there. So I started by putting away $5 into my savings at the start, right? This is before investing. When... I first started thinking about long-term financial security after my bills, etc., that that is all I had left. I was a student working part-time. So, I put $5 away into my savings. That's all I started with. And that is true for for many young people, you know? So, start with where you are at today. The most important thing is to
1: just start. Mm. Mm. that's excellent I think I said when we last spoke a couple of weeks back that I sort of consider myself not good with money it's like this money's not really my thing but I am actually and I look at money girl and, and some of the lines that you have on your website and you talk about making it fun and I think well you know I say I have this kind of idea in my head about myself and it comes back to I guess the confidence with money and I think like all of us have a story in terms of how we think about money, that may often come to how we've been brought up to think about money as well. So I think that we all have this baggage that we bring into this conversation that's not all the same, that that makes us feel like uncomfortable maybe talking about money, that might make us feel uncomfortable about asking for more money, or makes us kind of have this sort of maybe even self-limiting belief that, oh, I'm just not good with that. But you know what? I love following business news and media and I think about like I could probably tell you a lot about like some of what the top stocks are right now and how those businesses are faring and that's where I think like that's the fun element for me and that's what I think about also some of these apps as well it can just kind of immediately start to engage you in some of that depending on what kind of level of um what what type of app you're using and of course Um, what kind of level like you're looking at in terms of trying to get involved and seeing where that money is going. But it can get you involved in things like ESG, take an interest in that, see how you might start thinking about companies in terms of the diversity that they have on their boards or what they do around climate change or just what you see as a really great future industry and a future business. Like you, you can just start to kind of engage in all of this and use your money as well. And the same with our superannuation. Yes. It's like we might not have a huge amount of money to make a difference, but we can make our money matter in some way, you know, that we can use it to try and push what we believe in and the kind of future that we want for our kids as well. And like I say, it's different for everybody, but I like that idea of the fun element to it and I think it also comes back to this idea of like we're multifaceted people like this is just one area of it's it's, it can be an extra little subtle income stream that occurs here to support us later on but it can also be part of our interests and, and what makes us human as well
0: yes and look I'm glad you mentioned superannuation because in Australia That is mandatory if you're in formal employment. So if you have ever had a super account, then you are actually an investor, whether you know it or not, because that is what is happening inside your superannuation account. Right. And maybe when you're just starting out, if you are intending to retire in Australia and you have a superannuation account, maybe investing at the start just looks like putting some extra money away into your super, you know, which has a whole bunch of other benefits besides just investing for your future. But yeah, it it can look like so many things and it can be fun and it can be what makes most sense to you.
1: Yes. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Before we go, I do want to ask one more question because we've talked about the uh, portfolio career and I wanted to ask about the current projects that you're working on and Money Girl is just one of your projects. But um, you have mentioned a book, so I don't know if you're open to sharing more, but I would love to hear more or where you're going with what's in that book. Absolutely. At this point I might say, I don't know if this is fiction or or (laughs) nonfiction. It's (laughs) nonfiction and it
0: absolutely Terrifies me to talk about it right mm-hmm. now. And I just put yeah. that out there. This oh. is what you
1: do, Tia. Oh. You put it out there, you put it out to the
0: world, and then it happens. So, so <laughs> I have been working on this proposal for a bit. And I am now taking that conversation forward with a publisher. Right. Yeah. It's a nonfiction book about money, but it talks about money through storytelling. Through my own story, the goal is to talk about money through the lens of gender, race, religion, and culture. Mm -hmm. So I want people to be able to take away helpful lessons, but I really want to speak to the impact gender, race, religion, and culture has on your relationship with money because I found that to be a barrier, again, it comes from a personal need. When I read mm-hmm. self-help books about money, I do find them to be for a certain audience. That mm-hmm. is not me. Right, mm-hmm. And when I'm having money conversations in the Money Girl community or beyond, there are some common conversations I have. Around culture, religion, and the beliefs that come with that, right? Your husband is supposed to be a retirement plan, for example, or your son is supposed to be a retirement plan. Actually, if you're a South Asian woman, you're supposed to, you know, get married, have children. And then when you're older, your son is supposed to take care of you. So that's a cultural belief. There's religious beliefs around, oh, I'm supposed to earn my living but if I am saving money like especially around interest uh, I'm a Muslim woman like for Muslims around interest or around any money that is earning money that you are not working for they have religious beliefs around it and that becomes a barrier for them to actively participate in the financial system that we currently exist in there's so many conversations around that that I have on repeat with South Asian women, like I'm unhappy at home because of this kind of control or abuse, but I cannot open my own bank account because my father will know that I'm no longer depositing my income into the bank account that he has access to. There's just so many conversations that will be completely foreign to, to perhaps you, Ange, but I understand that. I, I come from it. I understand it. And basically, this will be... A Brown Girl's Guide to Money. Not, I don't know if that's what I'm going to call it, but that's that's what that's what uh, the goal is uh, for South Asian people all over the world to be able to have a conversation about financial
1: literacy and independence through the lens of their own beliefs. It sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. Congratulations! I can't wait to. Uh, well, I think we'll be seeing it probably what next year or so at this point because it, it's happening and you've put it out to the world now. <laughs> I have put it out to the universe, and um,
0: yeah. let's check in in a year yeah. to see.
1: That <laughs> <laughs> no, sounds, sounds
0: amazing. Why have I just this? <laughs> now? And now I'm like
1: accountable for it. Oh
0: God. My God. <laughs>
1: you are well uh you do so many amazing things you're an incredible storyteller you're an excellent speaker and i'm sure that you're also an excellent writer so congratulations it's happening so i can't wait to see it and read it and support it on women's agenda as well so thank you and thank you for being a part of today's uh, podcast it was amazing and we will definitely chat again thank you thank you for having me (laughs) and Right, thank you for listening to the Women's Agenda podcast. A reminder that, as always, you can check out all the stories that we've discussed and much more on our website, womensagenda.com.au. We'll also share plenty of links and other things to resources and uh, Money Girl and other bits and pieces that we have discussed in this episode as well. Thank you for listening.